Good. Well, it's good to be back with you after being out of town last week. I missed you. That's a lie. That is a lie. I didn't, didn't even think of you guys last weekend. I was um, down in Minneapolis at the Vikings game with a few of the other guys from the church here, Steve Clark and Quentin Weeb and Craig Ozerny. Had a great time down in Minneapolis. Uh, we had a bit of extra time to kill. We went down to the Mall of America. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been there. If you ever go on the log shoot ride at the Mall of America, um, don't put four grown men in a log. That's, I guess, what I would, would suggest. But if, but if you need to do that, don't sit in the front. And if you sit in the front, don't put your, all your money and your phone in your jean pockets. It's a bad idea. Anyway, we had a good time. And before the, the Vikings game there last Sunday morning, we, we felt inspired. We went to a church. There was a church about a block away from our hotel. And um, uh, we went there and, and enjoyed that experience. The guys afterwards had confessed that they had not felt so impacted by a sermon in a very long time. And <laughs> so I don't know if they were serious or not. I tried not to be offended by that. But... Um, it was a good message, and I want to take some of it really, if, if I'm going to be honest, and kind of piggyback off of that and go a little deeper, because the, 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 the speaker spoke on really just one word, focused on one word, and he said, and I think he's right, it's the most internationally recognized, internationally used word um, across all languages and cultures. Any idea what that word might be? Any guesses? <laughs> I think it's the word amen. Amen. Now, if you've ever done any international travel, maybe gone to China or uh, like me earlier this year, I was in Kenya at Bethel. All those little kids huddle around in prayer together. And if you've ever been to Bethel, you know what I'm talking about, praying in in their own language. And I didn't understand a word of it except for the very last word because they ended their prayer every time with the word amen. And, and for some reason, across every culture and language, when people end their prayers, they always end it with this same word, amen. It's a word that has not been translated into the various languages, but a word that's just been adopted by every single language to be used to end our prayer to God. Um, and my guess is you've probably used the word amen before. Some of you use that word every day. Some of you multiple times a day. Even if you're not a really churchy or religious person, you're not even sure you're a Christian. My guess is there's been a point in your life, maybe a moment of desperation, when you've cried out to God for some help and you maybe even added that amen on the end of that prayer to God. But do we really understand what we mean when, we're, uh, when we say amen? Does it mean the end? Is it just, is it the way we close the prayer so that everybody knows it's over and we can open our eyes and raise our heads? Uh, What do we mean when we say amen? And I pondered this this week because I find in my own prayer life, I get to the end of my prayer and I always end with that word, but often I have no idea what I'm saying or I'm not thoughtful about what I'm doing when I say amen. What does it mean? The writers of the New Testament, which was written in Greek, Uh, Just like all of the languages today, they borrowed that word. That wasn't a Greek word. It was a Hebrew word that they grabbed from the Old Testament and just plunked it down in the New Testament in Greek without any translation. The word amen is a Hebrew word, an ancient word. And we we can kind of get a sense of its meaning when we look into the Old Testament to see how it was used. One example is uh, Isaiah chapter 22, verse 23. 
when God says, I will drive him like a peg into a firm place. He will become a seat of honor for the house of his father. Now, I've highlighted the words firm place because that's a translation of the word amen. And in that case, it's actually a verb. God says, I will amen that peg, which is a way of God saying, I am going to firmly secure this peg. I'm going to amen it. And so the word amen has this sense of something that is secure, something that is certain. It's sure, it's strong, it's firm. In the Old Testament, it came to be used by the people of God as a response to what God had to say, what God would do. And so you find this again and again, and we have an example back in Deuteronomy chapter 27, when God is laying out his instruction and his commandments for his people. He, he, he lists some blessings, but he also lists some curses that will come about if people should disobey these various commands and do these deeds. And so it says this in Deuteronomy 27, verse 15, cursed is anyone who makes an idol, a thing detestable to the Lord, the uh, the skill of worked hands, and sets it up in secret. Then all the people shall say, Amen. So, Cursed is anyone who worships that which isn't God. And all the people say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who dishonors their father or mother. You get that, Annika? You listening? Pippa, you with me? Yeah? Okay. Say it again. Cursed is anyone who dishonors their father or mother. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who moves their neighbor's boundary stone and cheats and steals. Then all the people shall say, Amen. And it goes on and on. And they keep responding to God and his commands with an Amen. Amen. And it was a way of them saying, What you have said is true. We now, in saying amen, we, we affirm it. We agree with it. We accept it. We agree to align our lives with it. It is true. It will be so. Amen. You see this again in the book of Nehemiah when the people of, uh, of God are led back to the city of Jerusalem and the priest Ezra stands up in front of all the people and he reads the word of God to the assembled people of God. And this is what it says in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 5. Ezra opened the book and he read it from cover to cover. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and they responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And so they cried out amen as a response to God, as their way of saying, yes, it is so, it is true, we believe it, we affirm it. At its most simplest, the word amen simply means yes with an exclamation mark. So when you're praying that prayer and you come to the end and you use the word amen, you've got to think, what am I amening? What am I amening? Right? What am I saying yes to? Right? Is that coming from my heart? Am I, am I truly saying, yes, Lord, may it be so? I stand firm on this. So when we say amen, it's a way of saying, yes, it is so. We shouldn't use it lightly. I don't really want to focus on our amen so much here this morning as God's amen, because God's spoken amen. Did you know that? 
He tells us that he speaks an amen. We find it in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You're welcome to turn there if you have your Bible with you. I'm going to throw one verse up on the screen here in a minute. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'll read from verse 18 to 22. Starting at verse 18. Now this is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. As surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, through Christ, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I just want to focus on that one verse there, verse 20. When Paul says, no matter how many promises God has made, they are Yes, in Christ. Now that word yes there is amen. Okay, That's what he's saying. Every promise God has made, he has added an amen to it through Jesus Christ. God has made many promises. Have you ever made a promise? Right? You've maybe made some promises that afterwards you thought, I shouldn't have made that promise. I was kind of in the heat of the moment and I'm not sure I can fulfill that promise. Or maybe you made a promise with no intent to fulfill the promise. I, I remember as an eight-year-old, I had a favorite uncle. Uh, and he's no longer my favorite uncle, I'll tell you why. But um, he, he was a conservation officer, just a cool guy as an eight-year-old kid. I just loved this guy, real adventurer. And he said to me when I was eight, he said, Rusty, when you're 16, I'm going to take you scuba diving. Whoa, that would be cool. And I never forgot that, and so I anticipated my 16th birthday when my favorite uncle was going to come good on his promise and take me scuba diving. I'm 36 years old. I have never been scuba diving. I'm pretty sure I'm never going to go scuba diving. And every once in a while when, when I'm around him, I still like him, but he's no longer my favorite for obvious reason. When I'm around my uncle, I, I'll just say, you know what, I would love to go scuba diving someday. That would just kind of on my bucket list. I'd love to do that. And he kind of has this look on his face like he, he kind of remembered. And he still seems to think maybe someday it'll happen, but I doubt it. You know, God has made a lot of promises. The Bible is littered with them. You know some of them. Some of them are really big general promises. Some of them are very specific pro uh, promises. Genesis chapter 12, God makes a promise to Abraham. He says, Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation through you. And through you, I will bless all the peoples of the world. All the peoples of the world are going to be blessed through your offspring. That's a big promise. God comes to Isaiah and speaks these words that we have and we always remember right around Christmas time. Isaiah chapter 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. 
The government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end and he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever and ever. God will send someone. A child will be born. And when he grows up, he's going to be this... The, the, the suffering servant that is described in Isaiah chapter 53 when it says this, Surely this one, he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sin. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed, God says. God says, I'm going to send someone. And in his suffering, your wounds are going to be healed. In place of your pain, you're going to have God's peace. You'll have life. And so promise after promise after promise that God made over hundreds of years. And what Paul is saying when he says that Jesus is God's amen to every promise he has ever made, what he means is that that every single one of those promises God has made have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ, have been secured by him. God has said, it is so. It is certain. And we see that through Christ who is the fulfillment, is the amen of God in all these things. In fact, Jesus calls himself the amen in Revelation chapter 3. It's a title he gives himself. Revelation 3.14, Jesus says, I am the amen. That's my name. What he's saying is, in me, every promise God has made is fulfilled, is secured for you. I am God's yes to you. Does God love you? I am, I am God's yes. Does God care for you? Will he take care of every one of your needs? I am God's yes to you. Right? Is there a way to be right with God? To spend eternity with God. Jesus says, I am God's yes to you. You can count on it. You can take it to the bank because God put an amen on every promise he has made in Christ Jesus. And Jesus too speaks an amen. And you see this in the Gospels. But Jesus does it in a unique way. In fact, there's two ways Jesus uses the word amen that are, are unique to him. Nowhere in recorded history uh, uh, of any records that we have of people before, during, or after Jesus, ever, no person ever began with an amen except for Jesus. Jesus always begins with the amen. Now you and I end, end with it. What would you think if I got up here as a preacher and just said, amen, amen. Before I said anything, I said amen to everything I'm going to say. You'd say, I ain't buying that. I'm going to wait to hear what you have to say for I amen that. But Jesus always begins with an amen. In fact, in your Bible, if you're a King James Version reader, it's the word verily. If you've got another version, it's truly, truly I say to you. That's the word amen. Okay. Truly I say to you, Jesus always led with and amen. Why does he do that? We end, but he begins. I think it's Jesus' way of saying, I don't, you don't have to wait to hear what I'm going to say and to assess it before 
you say amen or before I say amen. It's, it's amen before it ever comes from my mouth because I establish that which is true. Right? It's true because it comes from me. It is amen. And so he leads with the amen. But, but John, in the Gospel of John, records that not only is, does Jesus lead with the amen, but Jesus speaks the double amen. He uses it twice. Now, I don't know if you pray that way, if you've ever prayed two amens at the end of your prayer. I, I normally just think it's fine with one. But Jesus, at certain points, doubles the amen. And so if you're in the King James Version, he'll say, verily, verily, I tell you. Amen, amen, I tell you. Truly, truly, I tell you. Amen, amen, I tell you. It's... Um, this is like a, a literary device, I guess, we even use today, right? It's called an epizuxis when you double a word, and what does it do? What does it, you all know that word, right? Epizuxis? How do you spell it, Lon? Epoetsis, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, when you use a double word, it intensifies it. So we, we just came back from a fairly long road trip recently, and, and um, one of, probably one of these beautiful daughters of mine sitting right here would, on occasion, would say to Daddy, Daddy, I gotta go to the bathroom. I really gotta go. And what does Daddy say? Do you really gotta go? Or do you really, really gotta go? Right? Because if it's just really gotta go, I ain't stopping. Right? We're gonna, we're gonna wait till Daddy needs to gas up the van. But, but if you really, really gotta go, okay. I don't want any epsizuxis on, on the floor or on the seat of my car. We're gonna stop so that you can, you can do what you need to do, right? So you find this epizuxis in the Bible that Jesus is the king of kings. He's really king. Jesus is the Lord of lords. He's really Lord. Jesus leads many of his prayers with amen, amen, I tell you. And I think it's Jesus' way of highlighting the certainty of what he's saying. What he's saying is, listen up, this is really important, and this is certain. This is true. You can take this to the bank. You can live by it. And so he uses it on a number of different occasions. John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus replied, amen, amen, I tell you. If you got the NIV version like I use, um, that double amen is, is translated very truly. Amen, amen, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. To be right with God, to go to heaven, it requires that you be made new spiritually. There needs to be a spiritual rebirth, Jesus says. Amen and amen. John chapter 5, Jesus says, Amen, amen, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. In other words, has been born again. Amen, amen, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. They will be brought alive. And how does that happen? Well, Jesus goes on to say the next chapter as he continues the conversation. Amen, amen, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. And if you look in that conversation, he's talking about believing in himself as the one God has sent. Amen, amen, I tell you, the one who believes in me has eternal life. And Jesus says, not only is this worthy of an amen, of a yes, it is so, but it's an amen, amen. This is true. This is certain. It is secure. Jesus is God's amen to every promise he has made. And through him, we can know that we have God's yes. When we believe in him, 
as he asks us to do, we can know that we have God's yes. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to doubt because we do wonder at times and we do doubt the favor of God or the presence of God or the provision of God or whatever. We, We wonder at times. We grow anxious. But Paul says, going back to 2 Corinthians 1.20, he says, we can respond to God's amen with our amen. Just as Christ is God's amen, so in him, in Christ, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Which I think is Paul's way of saying, um, we are affirming, when I say amen, I am affirming the faithfulness of God. I am I. I I am certain in the promises of God through Jesus. I can say amen. I can say it is so. It is secure. And I can amen every promise of God and trust in it through faith in Jesus. I can say amen. It is so. So when we say amen, we are saying yes. I believe it. Yes, it is secure. I don't know what the future holds, but God holds the future. And I don't need to grow anxious about anything or wonder or doubt because in, because in Jesus, God has said, amen, yes, yes. Is there any area of your life that lacks an amen? I'm kind of talking about living in the spirit of amen, not just uttering it as a word that comes from the lips, but as a, something that comes from the heart. Is there any area of your life that is lacking an amen? And of course when I say amen, I mean like a yes exclamation mark. Yes, it is so. Yes, it is certain. Yes, I can count and trust in it. Is there any area of your life that's lacking an amen? Maybe some situation in your life that you don't understand. You don't understand what's going on. You don't understand where God is in this. Maybe it's something about the future that's making you anxious. You just lost your job. Like the gal in the first service who was baptized, Ray Lynn, just lost her job, got laid off unexpectedly. God, what are you doing? Maybe there's some anxiousness about some uncertainty in the future. And, and, and something, there's some area in which you, you are lacking that amen, that, that certainty. As we come to this table, we're going to be reminded of what this cup and what this bread represent. This represents God's yes to you. This, re- this is God's amen. When we, when, when we eat and drink this together, if we have put our trust in Jesus, as if we have believed in him, then the answer this morning to us is yes. Will God provide for me? The answer is? Amen or yes. I'll take them both. You take your pick. Will God provide? In Jesus, yes. Is God with me? Yes. Does God have a good plan and a good purpose? Yes. Will God let me down? No, I tried to trick you. You got that. No, not yes. No. That's right. So as you take the cup and as you take the bread, you know, if you've put your trust in Jesus, just be reminded that this, is, this represents God's yes to you. So as you take it, just in your own life, if there's, some, if, 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 if there's some part of your life that's lacking that amen, lacking that yes, as you take the bread and as you take the cup in your hand, I just invite you in your heart to 
think on what it means and hear God's yes and in your own heart respond, yes, amen. It is certain I can trust in him. Say that amen in your heart as you take him. I mean, heck. Say it out loud. I don't know if I can say heck, but I just did. Say it out loud. As you take that, say amen. Amen. It is, it is all secured in Jesus. Nothing to worry about or nothing to be anxious about. Lord Jesus, we love you. We love you because you came and you fulfilled every one of the promises of God. You went to that cross and you bled on that cross and your body was broken on that cross not for your sin but for us so that we who are separated from God, that we who had sin of our own to pay for, Father, that it would all be paid through you, Jesus. We thank you that you have done it all. You have borne our iniquities. And by your wounds, we are made whole. We are healed. We have heard God's amen, yes, to us. You are the satisfier of all our longings. You are the one who gives us certain hope. So, Father, as we come to this table and as we eat and as we drink together, I just pray as, as, as we hear your amen in a fresh way that our hearts would respond, yes, yes. In your son's name we pray.